Thanks for listening to the Lunch and Learn with Dr. Barry, here to help educate, motivate, and put you on the right path to take control of your health through weekly discussions on topics in the medical field, public health arena, and in your community. And now your host, Dr. Barry. Welcome to episode 33 of the Lunch and Learn with Dr. Barry podcast. This is your host, Dr. Barry. Excited bring you another edition of the lunch and learn and as always if you want today's show notes please go to drpierresblog.com forward slash llp033 again if you want today's show notes of episode 33 please go to drpierresblog.com forward slash llp033 hey everybody thank you for joining me today and i'm very excited you know why i'm excited i have my first guests on the podcast here of the Lunch Learn with Dr. Barry. And it's, you know, none other than a person who's been a very central figure in the way I practice medicine. If you've been following me on the blog, if you've been following me on the podcast, you know, I've kind of mentioned this person over and over and over again, especially when we're talking about making sure your mental health is where it needs to be. So today's guest is Maria Davis-Pierre. She is a licensed mental health counselor. She has a specialty in grief and loss therapy. Hey, Maria, thank you so much for joining today, and thank you for being a guest on the podcast. Hi, everybody. I'm so excited to be here and talk to you all. All right. So like I said, she's very excited. Like I said, we're, it's, you know, it's, it's a special day when I can kind of get her out to do these things. She don't like doing them. Uh, but you know what? She said, you know what? She would love to be the first guest on the podcast, and uh, you know, I didn't have to pull too much strings for it. So today, <laughs> today, today is a very important topic, which I think, you know, honestly, I think all of my topics are very important. But today is an important one, right? Today is a topic that I wanted to broach. I think a few episodes earlier, even on the the lunch and learns that I did with the live stream, uh, but you know something in my heart just kind of said, you know what, like this is the week, like I can't really put it off any longer. Today we're talking about, you know, how do you have that tough discussion, right? And I left it vague, right? I left the title vague, right? Because I want you to kind of think about what is the tough discussion, you know, Dr. Barry's talking about, right? Today we're going to be talking about how do you have this tough discussion in regards to death, right? And I can tell you as a physician, especially now as a physician who works mainly in a hospital, and I'm a little bit closer to death than I would like to be. I'm having more and more patients who are a lot sicker than my patients on the outpatient basis. And I'm having that discussion more and more with families. I'm having that discussion more and more with patients. And I figured, you know what, like, I felt like this was the right time, because I think it's a topic that doesn't get talked about. So, Maria, you know, before we start again, I gave you a little bit of intro, but can you, can you tell the listeners about yourself? So, as you said, I am a licensed mental health counselor in the state of Florida. Um, I have a private practice dealing with uh, grief and loss, uh, specializing in grief and loss, many aspects of grief and loss. Um, when somebody comes to me for grief counseling, they have experienced a death or a loss, loss meaning loss of a job, divorce, um, adjustment for a child, sickness, anything like that. And what happens is they come to me uh, because they need help adjusting to this grief and this loss. So um, 
I give you tools. We talk about it, process the information to help you better adjust to this new phase in your life. Wow. So it, it definitely sounds like, you know, you definitely would work in tandem with, you know, definitely someone in a position uh, in, in a hospital setting or just in, in medicine in general, where a lot of times we're on like the other end, like we're usually the ones telling a person, hey, you're not going to make it or, hey, your family member just passed. So it definitely sounds like uh, you kind of come in and kind of help give them the closure that sometimes us on the physicians and, you know, you know, you guys who listen to the podcast, you know, I like to rag on my physicians. Sometimes we don't do a good enough job. Uh, yes, I am a firm believer in collaborative healthcare, which, you know, which is something that we do together. Um, so what I do is basically, like you said, come in at the end and help them process this information that you guys have given them, because that's not your job as a physician to process this big, massive change. So what I do is come in and then help deal with the feelings associated with the information you have just given said patients. So I think, I think what was important, and I think what was a driver, like this, this week I talked about on, on, you know, the lunch and learn, the, the video, the, the live stream video, I talked about why I felt it was important to like have the discussion in general. And of course I usually will center it around, you know, doctors and our mental health care workers. But like, even I had to think about it, even like with the different family members, I thought having this discussion, right, which I, I call it probably one of the toughest discussions to have, which is about death, even if they haven't personally died yet. Like I thought, you know what, I think this is such an, a monumental step in the growth of, you know, anyone's character, especially the physicians that, you know, I think it's something that kind of gets glossed over. How do you feel about, you know, the, the importance we place on that discussion? Uh, the importance that physicians place on the discussion of death? Well, I would say, yeah, physicians, but I think, you know, people in general, but let's, let's focus on physicians first. Okay. Um, I think that in, I'm going to just go in general, um, death is uncomfortable. It's uncomfortable for a lot of people because, I mean, in a lot of families, you haven't really discussed death, dying, and what happens next. So you're dealing with all of these newfound emotions of what comes next, what do I need to do now? And it's very uncomfortable for a lot of families because it's a taboo topic in a lot of cultures. So now that you're telling somebody, hey, you are going to die or your family member is going to die, it brings on a lot of emotion. So you have uncomfortable, uh, uncomfortableness and then all your emotions that you're dealing with. So it becomes a, I guess, a difficult conversation because as um, practitioners, we can read what's going on with the body language of said patients and patients' families. You know, that's interesting because I think a lot of times when we when we talk about you know, having this discussion, especially when we talk about death and usually it being the mindset that the practitioner, usually the, the social worker, the mental health counselor, the physician, um, they're usually the one, quote unquote, having to deliver the news. A lot of times we always focus on, you know, how tough it is for that person who's receiving the news to take it. But what do you think about the person who actually has to deliver the news? 
Um, it, <laughs> it's very difficult for the person having to deliver the news as well, because even though we are, you know, in the field of healthcare, we still are human. So having to deliver such impactful information and news to an individual can have an effect on us as well. You know, we try to have the boundaries where we don't cross, but I mean, unfortunately, it happens because death is such a sensitive topic. And why, why do you think it's important really to talk about, especially when we talk about in regards to loss, like why do you think it's important for us to even to talk about it before and after the fact? Um, I know you kind of alluded to preparing the family, like, hey, your family's about to pass away or, mm -hmm. um, hey, your family just passed away. But why do you think it's important to do both? Um. I think it's important because there are stages of, of grief. One is, um, especially when you tell somebody that, hey, your family member is um, on hospice, you know, they're sick, they're not going to make it, there then becomes the um, expectation of the loss. So you're always waiting for it to happen. So even though the person hasn't died yet, you are now still have started to experience those emotions. So processing it beforehand is a great way to help deal with you after the fact. And of course, after the fact, the you know said person's not there anymore. So now it's really real of all the ex emotions that you're experiencing. So of course, processing it, how I live my life now without said person is good. Do you find it, especially in, in your field, you know, you being the expert, do you find it easier to talk to people who have had the discussion before and have had time to prepare for it or find it easier to deal with the patients or even the people who, you know, it was an unexpected or, you know, not even maybe unexpected, they, they just didn't plan for it. And now they're coming to you for assistance. Like, who do you, which group do you think uh, is, I guess, uh, better equip, right, to take uh, the learning that, you know, someone that with your skill can give them? I don't think it's either group that is going to be better equipped. I think it's in general, if the person is willing to ac get access to the tools to help deal with the loss that is about to happen or the loss that has happened. So it has to it doesn't have anything to do with either group. It has to do with the person, the individual, him or herself. And when you talk about tools, like what type of tools would you know a person need to, you know, I guess be successful. I guess if that's a good term or good you know good word to use at that point, and you know getting over. I, I this is my personal philosophy. Um, every therapist has different philosophy philosophies, but mine is that you don't get over the death of uh, a family member or friend. It's that you learn to live with that loss. Mm. So you're learning to live this new life without that person. So you don't necessarily get over it because you're always going to think about the person, remember that person, certain things um, trigger, you know, certain memories. So it's about how to cope with those memories when they come so that it's not um, you know, doesn't take you so off track that you are now not able to function. So you learn to function differently. 
Interesting. I mean, again, I think kind of going back and, you know, uh, doubling back on, you know, the, the conversation that needs to be had, especially when we talk about death and, and you know, as, as it approaches and death and as we prepare for it. I think a very troubling fact that I've, I've read and I've, I've seen very recently in the news is the rate of physician suicide rates. Mm-hmm. And, and again, here we are, you know, the person who's supposed to be the one delivering, you know, such, you know, sombering news and the one who has to be seen as uh, mentally fit to do so. Mm-hmm. We have uh, an exorbitant route, of, exorbitant route of exorbitant rate of physicians. And again, I think the, the study showed that about three to 400 physicians each year, like die by suicide, which is, which was crazy to me when I thought about it, especially I went to Nova Southeastern and we had 240 in our class. Mm-hmm. So, and so here I am, you know, you know, you know, team physician and understanding and seeing that three to 400, you know, members of our team, you know, are, are taking their life because the, the mental health strife, uh, it was too great for them. Like, how does someone who's supposed to be on the team of the one who delivers the news and the one who's supposed to be you know, the, 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 the strength when it comes to having that discussion, you know, what are some tips that they, you know, may take in to be able to like, you know, take in others griefs and then be able to, you know, not internalize it. Um, that, that is a, a good point you bring up because a lot of times as um, healthcare providers, we put ourselves last. We're always giving, 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 but don't think to take care of ourselves. So I'm a firm believer in self-care. You have to know when to set that boundary, when you're getting too involved, when to ask for help, um, things that de-stress you, what, you know, whether it's going to get a massage, where it's reading a book, taking 15 minutes to process the day before you go into your home. And, and start your, what we like to call second shift of now I'm a husband or a mother, um, a father, a wife, things like that. So you have to be able to take care of yourself as much as you're taking care of your patient. Interesting. I love it. I love it. And is there a right time to do so? Like, is there a right time to really have this discussion of, you know, the inevitable and, and, and the inevitable. And when I talk about it, when I talk about the inevitable, we know taxes are coming and we know death is coming, right? Like there's really no hiding it. There's, there's no running away from it. So is there a right time to actually prepare your family members or, you know, talk to your patients or, you know, talk with your coworkers? Like, is there a right time to have this discussion? I wouldn't say there's a, a right time per se, Um, But you definitely want to have your family members know, you know, because what I get a lot of is um, family members who had an unexpected death and then they come to me to process because now the siblings have discord over what to do because there was nothing in place to say, hey, this is how I want A, B and C to go. So now they're not only dealing with the, the grief and loss of their mother or their father, but also now this discord between my sibling because we can't agree on how to lay mom and dad to rest. So I think it's mm-hmm. important to have these conversations of, hey, this is what my will says. This is what, 
you know, I want done. And even though it's uncomfortable for us, we still need to listen to be able to give that person their wishes. And it makes the stress easier in the end when we know, okay, this is the plan. And, you know, I think you brought up a great point because uh, I mentioned, I mentioned it on the live stream. I talked about one of the biggest reasons, like I want, you know, everyone to kind of have this discussion is because of preparation, right? I think a lot of times I've seen it, unfortunately, way too many times in a hospital where a family member is acutely ill and, you know, of course, no one plans to be acutely ill. I don't think anyone plans to be sick, but a family member becomes acutely ill or there's an accident or something happens that suddenly, you know, a turn of event changes and life changes and life happens. And what I've noticed, and I, I can, and I've, and again, you, you'll probably, you probably can have some, you know, some backup and uh, some stories about this as well, is that I know family members who don't want to make that decision. Mm-hmm. Like I have family members who don't want to be the one to decide whether, you know, their uncle, their grandma, their grandpa, like they don't want to be the last decision maker. Mm-hmm. Like, how do you deal with those who have difficulty, you know, making that decision? And especially because a lot of times when families are coming to see you, mm-hmm. they're coming to see you because they've already experienced the loss. Mm-hmm. But even though they've already experienced the loss, they're still coming to you because there's some closure that they did not get. Like, so how do you, how are you able to tease out one what is it that they want closure from? And then two, like, how do you, again, you don't, I guess you don't help them get over it, but help them cope with it in the future. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of times well, with what you're talking about, not wanting to be the one, it has to do a lot with guilt. They don't want that guilt on them or what they perceive to be guilt. Like, Hey, I was the one who said, okay, you know, we got to take mom, dad, uncle, sister, brother off life support. So now they've taken that, I guess you would call it burden upon themselves to be like, okay, I made that decision. Shoulda, coulda, woulda. What if, you know, you see the stories of, hey, this person woke up out of a coma after two years. Maybe I should have let mom, you know, stay on life support a little longer. So it's the guilt that they're having that's eating them up as well as the grief that they're dealing with. And is is there a right way to, to have that discussion? Because I, like I again, I know I know you talked about a lot of times they come to see you, you know, when the grief occurs. But is there a right way to have that discussion? Like, is counseling the way to do it? Is you know taking everything in and internalizing the way? Like, what is a, a right way to do it? Well, of course, as a therapist, I'm going to always say counseling is the way to go um, with a professional. I mean, even in the hospitals, as you know, um, once somebody is placed on hospice um, and um, anticipatory grief starts, you know, there's a team that comes in and there's a, a therapist that's there for the available for the family to help them process through, you know, what is about to happen. So I'm a firm believer in therapy. And even if you don't want to take upon the professionals in the hospital, you know, you can get you a private uh, therapist as well. 
there's community agencies, there's groups, uh, group counseling that you can go to, uh, to that specialize in your specific loss as well. There's many resources out there that you can um, go to to process this information. Because um, a lot of times, you know, we do talk to our families and process and have the memories with them, but they're grieving at the same time. So you want to be able to not put your grief on someone else as well because they're grieving just as you are grieving just differently mm. everybody grieves differently and, and for those who, who who know um i've talked about how i need some of you guys to stop being the family counselor like i've mm. talked about how i need some of you guys to stop taking on the burden of other family members and would, would you say that this is probably one of those times where a lot of that tends to occur Yes, uh, there's, I mean, go to a, a family funeral, you'll see the one person that everybody's depending on, you know, you, you can spot them out clearly. And they're the one that's doing everything, getting everything in, in place. And it's like, okay, when has this person had a chance to process this? We want to give them that chance to process something. Not everybody is meant to be there to be your your counselor you know they need that moment to grieve as well and and when we talk about the the grieving in the loss i know you talked about there's the different types is there is there types that you tend to see a lot more common especially in uh, african americans uh you know like that 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 culture is there is there is there a type of not only a type of loss but is there a type of reaction to the loss that you tend to see more especially from the african american community um yes and i don't have any statistics and i'm not quoting you know for the whole population of African-Americans, but what tends to happen in our culture is that we internalize everything. We internalize it and then we try to move on, go forward. We still have to go to work, still have to be a mom, still have to be a wife. And a lot of times that grief starts to come out in different ways, but you're not realizing it's the grief. You're just thinking, okay, well now I'm sad. Now, you know, I'm, I'm sad for a long period of time, or now I'm having these anger outbursts. They're coming more frequently, changes in my attitude, things like that. Um, I'm not enjoying things that I used to once enjoy. The internalization of all this grief and, and everything else that you probably internalized is coming out in different ways. So that's what I see a lot with, you know, our African-American community. And then, you know, we're told to a lot of us to, to pray about it. So you don't seek therapy because you're told to pray about it. I'm going there. I'm going there. (laughs) (laughs) You can pray about it and you can come to therapy as well. You know, there's Christian counselors out there too. So, you know, there's a lot of ways to help you process this grief but as the African-American culture, we do not take advantage of these resources because of our, our culture and the tabooness of therapy. I don't even know if tabooness is a word, but I'm going to use it today. Sure, sure. Tab- tabooness is a word on the podcast. <laughs> that is okay. Now, I will, I will tell you, I can tell you one of my, one of, one of and unfortunately, uh, you know, when some of my friends, you know, when they look at me and they look at me crazy, like I've had a, actually a lot of experience with death, especially when it comes to my patients. 
And what I tend to see, especially from a reaction uh, in the hospital setting, I tend to see a lot of denial. Like I see a lot of denial, you know, when that time comes. And even if, if it's just the diagnosis and not even the ultimate and where I just say, hey, you know, it, he's not going to make it from this diagnosis. And I, I, the first one of the first reactions I get is denial. Like they can't believe this is happening. Mm-hmm. As, as, as the counselor, you know, as someone who sees people even after the losses occurred, and I'm assuming that you see people only after the losses occurred, you always correct me if I'm wrong. Um, I see some uh, before as well. Before, uh, so while they're like de- yeah. while they're getting ready to mm-hmm. deal mm. with the loss, it's called um, anticipatory grief. So they're anticipating this loss. Mm. So even so, when that occurs, and you you get, do you get a lot of clients who will come in, and even after the death has occurred, still be in like a state of denial? Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, mostly because they don't want to deal with those emotions of the finality of this person is gone, you know? So that's a a final thing. Like I'm never going to be able to pick up the phone and call my mom. I'm never going to be able to ask her for advice. You know, there's a finality with that. So being in denial and not dealing with those emotions is a way to you know, kind of detach yourself from that. Interesting. Um, okay, so I, I I think we've definitely touched on a lot of, you know, I, I think I, I think we touched on a lot of aspects of a very tough discussion. And I think this is something that has to, you know, be thought out. I think this is something that has to be almost made commonplace, right? And and I say it especially in in my patient population where I deal with patients with high blood pressure, high cholesterol, diabetes. Like we say this and it rolls off the tongue. But when we talk about getting ready for death and planning for death and planning for the inevitable to happen, um, you know, silence, you know, silence is, you know, is, is definite. So I, I'm I'm glad and I'm thankful that, you know, you were able to, you know, kind of come on the show and one, you know, obviously be the, the first guest. Right. But I think to be the first lead off a very topic that I think is very important in our, our community. Yes, I, I think in especially in, and I, I, I talked about it, I think in the African-American community, if any group needs to be talking about death. Right. If any group needs to be talking about death, it's got to be us. Yes, I agree. A hundred percent. I, I I think we're 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 so we're so far behind when it comes to the preparation of death, mm-hmm. and we shouldn't be right because uh, again, and I, and I hate and I and I always hate to bring this up, but like it, you can't really name a disease right that doesn't affect us a lot more. Mm-hmm. Like you just cannot name a disease that does not affect African Americans much more than it affects uh, you know other cultures and races. And of course, there's all these different genetics and diet. I got that. Still, at the end of the day. Uh, when I talk about death, if you, if we had to talk about one thing, right? When we, if we had to talk about diabetes and cholesterol, we got to be talking about preparing for death as well. Mm-hmm. And and like seventy five percent of my clients are African American, and each one is dealing with I I can't believe this happened. I don't know what to do. I we didn't talk about this. So I wasn't prepared for this. So in our community, we really have to really enforce the 
preparation of preparing our loved ones, you know, especially if we're ill for what's going to happen and what we want to make it easier, you know, because I mean, grief, you're already dealing with that and that's a heavy burden. But to then deal with, okay, I have to get these finances in order. I have to get this state in order. That's something else that just adds on to your stress. So true. So true. So, Ms. Davis-Pierre, how can people get in touch with you, especially if they're – and, again, I know you don't only deal – because, obviously, I know you don't only deal with grief and loss. But if they want to get in touch with you, how can they do so? Um, you can email me at daybydaytherapy at gmail.com. I am taking um, clients right now. I only do online therapy at the moment, tele-mental health. Um, so if you want or are interested in that, you know, you can email me. I have a Facebook page, two Facebook pages. Um, one is Maria Davis Pierre, LMHC. And the other one is catered more to women dealing with traumatic um, experiences. And that is Finding Courage to Heal. Both of those are my Facebook pages. And I have a website, daybydaytherapy.com. So there's many ways to get in touch with me if you have questions, concerns, or wanting a referral, things like that. I can help with it all. Perfect. And all, all, and even if you didn't catch that, it, I will put all of this in the show notes. Like always, if you want to catch the show notes, um, uh, you, it will be either on the website or you'll be going directly uh, to your favorite, you know, podcast app and it'll be there as well. So again, Maria, thank you for, um, definitely enlightening us on, enlightening us on discussion that, you know, I think needs to be talked about much more than it is. Yes. And thank you for having me and letting me be your first guest. Of course, the wife has to be the first guest on the show. And I'm excited about that. And thank you. Again, like I say, thank you for Maria for being the first and an amazing guest on the show today. I know you guys learned just as much as I learned. Again, I attribute a lot of what I do, especially in the healthcare realm to being able to understand that the mental health is just as big as the physical health. And if you're a patient of mine or, you know, you've, you've probably listened to it on the blog or on the podcast prior to it or in the videos, you probably heard that, heard me say that over and over and over again. Now, it's always about the physical and mental and as well as spiritual health, uh, you know, to get us to the destination, to get us to our peak level of fitness and totality. So I'll see you guys next week for another great episode here on the Lunch and Learn with Dr. Barry. Thank you for listening to the Lunch and Learn with Dr. Barry. I hope you enjoyed that episode like I enjoyed giving you that episode for your listening pleasure. If you want, please join the community. Please tell a friend to tell a friend to join the community. I'm over at Twitter. I'm over at Facebook. I'm over, I'm even over at Pinterest. Like I'm everywhere. Everywhere where you want to be, I'm probably there. My username is pretty much the same everywhere you go. Lunchlearnpod.com. Lunchlearnpod at Facebook. Lunchlearnpod at Twitter. And the hashtag that we're using, especially when you're listening to the episode and you want to share it and you want to tell all your friends is lunch, learn, pod as well. All one word. And before I let you go, please do me a favor. 
head over to Apple Podcasts, Google Play, SoundCloud, Stitcher Radio, TuneIn Radio, wherever you like to hear, listen to your podcast. And even if you like listening on my website, leave me a comment, leave me a review, let me know how I'm doing. Leave me even a comment to say, hey, I'd like to hear about this topic versus that topic. And I'll be gladly able to kind of squeeze that in on the schedule. And you guys continue to have a great and blessed day. And I'm going to see you guys next week.